The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show. And I hope I sound better than the, uh, uh, the opening of the, the show did because it, it sounded like it was getting tired. And I hope that's not because we're at the twilight of uh, of the Mickey Ellison show, and we have three shows left, including today. Um, next week we'll have John O'Sullivan on from Changing the Game Project, and in the last week I'm trying to to bug David Simpson to come back and and, and talk about what we're going to be going doing going forward uh, with with the ministry and the Road to Complete Fitness and and whatever it's going to be called. Um, uh, if you missed last week's show. Um, David was his usual self, um, very informative, educational, and, um, and and a true friend. And uh, today is no different. I, I have someone that I call a friend. Haven't had a chance to meet him in person. Um, but before we start the show, I, I want to start off with this. And I was thinking, and I wrote a little bit before before the show, and I said, I think most of us try to live. We want to live a life of significance. And, and what does that mean? Um, and I, I think it can be summed up in the title verses from uh, Scripture for our mission, The Road to Complete Fitness, in Philippians 2, 3 through 4, which says, To do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather place the interests of others above self. Those people that are remembered for centuries, for centuries, are remembered because they did something that impacted people for the rest of their lives that got passed on and passed on, and eventually it left a legacy. Um, and, and there's people who have have come across and have become extremely wealthy, um, but most of them aren't remembered for their wealth. In fact, most of the wealthy people that uh, that died did like the rest of us will do. They, they died, and, and the wealth was uh, – was whatever happened to it happened. But those that um, – Live lives lives of significance. Live lives of significance because they impacted others, and they impacted others in a way that uh, um, can't be paid for with money. Um, and, and today's guest is is Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching, and our, our topic is is coaching for significance because we can see um, 
we can see through through youth sports and, and sports in general that, as I wrote in the show description, sports has become a multi-billion-dollar industry. Um, and you know, from the latest LeBron shoes to the latest bat to the latest driver that's going to add 15 yards to to your drive and shoot i've met some folks that they keep telling me that and they should be hitting about 450 yards by now but um um and and i keep hitting their drivers and it goes the, the same distance so maybe i'm just not very good but um you know bruce brown is coming on the show i i consider bruce a, a friend like i said i haven't had a chance to meet bruce um i met bruce through rob miller whom i met through John O'Sullivan, and you can see the the the, the strings. But but um, and I have had a chance to meet Rob and John in person. And one day I'm going to slip out to uh, to to the beautiful Northwest and and, and bug Bruce. But uh, um, for those of you who are not familiar with Bruce Brown and proactive coaching, um, uh, Bruce, I'll let you tell more about it. But Bruce, uh, I mean, you have so many accolades on here that uh, um, I. I I, I hesitate to just try to say them all. If you go to the website and you're listening to you're listening to the show, you're on the website, so you can click on the information about about Bruce. But um, Bruce is impacting folks throughout the country. You get they've got they work with the Philadelphia Eagles. They work with my my uh, uh, the coach at my former at my alma mater at Vanderbilt, and they do work with a lot of people. But they also work with with youth folks like like myself. In fact, we've got a Bruce. Welcome to the show, by the way. Thanks, Mickey. And we we've got a, a group of young kids that uh, you know I, I think as a coach that some of some of us get to the point where we realize what we're doing with, with sports is bigger than winning championships and 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 other things. I'm not knocking winning championships because that's one of the that's one of the goals that we're trying to do each and every year, but several years back, as I, I've told on the show before, we start we changed a, a, a team from being the bandits because those were the jerseys that were given to us to uh having a team that had a specific purpose and it was called the kings and it stood for kids in god's service which was more in line with teaching the kids about serving others which is really what you do as a team and um today's topic is is kids and coaching for significance so uh bruce welcome to the show and um tell us what you mean by coaching for significance well first of all thanks mickey i, I Instead of getting off of me, I want I want to start on something you said. You, you okay. said that you felt like your intro was getting tired. Uh, I, I I listened to the intro. Intro. That's that's something that can't get tired. That's a mission, Mickey. And and sometimes I sometimes we get worn down in our drive for a mission. But it's not something that ever gets tired. It's something that you you know when you're talking about teaching your kids to be honest and to persevere, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's 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 a whole lot bigger than any one of us. And, uh, that never gets tired. Um, second thing I want to, I want to just comment on is, uh, you're talking about near the end of your life and you're talking about wealth and stuff. And we live on an Island, uh, up North, about halfway between Seattle and Vancouver, BC. And it's probably been about 10 years now or 11 years now. We, um, um, built a guest house for my parents. My parents, my mom was struggling with Alzheimer's and my dad was of that generation where, you know, everything was okay. I don't need any help. We got this, you know. Right, (laughs) right, right. And one day he called and said, he said, Bruce, I need help. And uh, so we built a guest house and moved them up onto our property and they were married 71 years when my my mom passed and my dad lived with us. 
uh, until he he lived to be 96, so he lived with us a few years longer. But something you said about when you get near the end of your life reminded me of a, a moment I'll never forget. After my mom passed, um, my dad was, he was struggling. And he, he loved fires. He loved fires. So we actually built a big outdoor fireplace that's got a covered section in front where you can sit, even if it's snowing or raining or what, you can sit out there. So every day when I wasn't traveling, my 94-year-old dad at 3 o'clock wanted a fire and a beer. Okay, <laughs> and when you're when you're 94 and you go to bed at 6:30, I guess three o'clock's happy hour for him. So we set out <laughs> this go. fire, okay. And and some days he had a great long-term memory, and some days he had talked my ear off about high school football games or about this first date with mom. And some days he'd sit in total silence. He just, I think he just loved the fire and he loved sitting there with somebody. And uh, one day we sat out there and it was about 15 minutes of total silence. And, and it, then he looked over to me and he said something I'll never forget. He said, Bruce, I hope my life mattered. And it just came out of the blue. I had no idea where it was coming from. I wasn't even sure how to respond because he had been a great dad. He had been a great provider. Um, he had been an engineer. Uh, he, had, he had raised five kids, uh, sent us all through college. Uh, he had been a tremendous father. And he's looking at me and saying, I hope my life mattered. And I, I got a chance to talk to him about how much it did, but I thought about that. I haven't, you know, I've just kept thinking about that. And I think as people get closer to the end, they want to feel like they're um, been, having been alive has been significant, that they made a difference in the world and the lives of the people around them. And, and I thought to myself, he did such a great job, but he had, he had a job. And, you know, he, he, was, he liked his job, but his job was really there so he could provide for the family. Mm-hmm. That's not what coaches do. You know, coaches may not get paid very much. And when I talk to coaches and I say, if you can reach a level of significance, you'll never have to ask that question if your life mattered. And if you do something like you're doing, Mickey, with this show and, and reaching the mission that you talked about in your intro, uh, you never have to ask. I hope my life mattered. So anyway, I just that just struck a nerve with me when you said that. Well, and I think a lot of times in society today, Bruce, where people are trying so hard to matter, but it's it's, it's I don't know if it's they're being taught that it, it, the significance comes from bringing the attention to them, and, and I think that's one thing that as as a coach of, of young kids that uh, you start to it's it's selfless if you're doing it for the right reasons and and you i want the attention coming coming to the kids and you know with uh with what we're doing with with, with the dollar a day campaign and um helping folks out of debt and and i i think what's happening with the end of the show bruce is god's out actually saying okay it's time for you to get your hands dirty um quit talking about it so uh um we're gonna be we're actually doing an event in in south carolina again in 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 august and um I can't wait to get out there, but you know, you get to see. We have actually results of someone that that was at the very bottom, had almost given up on life, and, and 19 people came together to to help her with no selfish ambition. And and when we do that event in South Carolina, she's going to be the uh, the the focus of attention because I I just had an idea. But she's the reality, and she's she's the the real person. But uh, um, you know, I, I really appreciate what you guys do um, 
when you're talking about coaching with with, with significance, talk talk more about that and, and okay. what you, what you what you hope that people will take from what you're doing and uh, and, and spread it and 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 ultimately I think it leads to to better people and and, and a better community versus just we want to stay championship. Okay, let's let's talk about specific to coaching. Okay, very specific to coaching. Um, one of the one of the things uh, that we introduce a lot of our presentations with is is the stages of coaching, the stages that coaches go through. Now, these are not necessarily sequential. I was reading a book on a flight uh, back from the East Coast, probably been eight or ten years ago, and I was reading a book by Jeff Jansen, who I would recommend to anybody who's in coaching. And Jeff just mentioned the stages that coaches go through, and I thought to myself, what stages did I go through? What stages did my friends go through and that are identifiable? And I think I've come up with five stages that coaches are in. And when I do this, present, when I do this part of the presentation, uh, uh, I'll say to people, you know, I mean, I met, we had about 10,000 coaches in Chicago and, at one time, and, and, and I said, you know, I have no idea which stage you're in, but I think all of you are in one of these stages. And it doesn't mean that you have to go from one to the other. You can jump, you can make a, a leap at any time. And I said, if you're not quite sure what stage you're in, remember the definitions. Take them back to your athletes. They'll tell you exactly where you are, okay? Kids, kids are so honest, it's refreshing. So the first stage of coaching, and I think all of us can relate to this, is the beginning stage of coaching. Yahoo, this is going to be so fun. We're going to get out and go out and teach these kids all I know. They're going to love me. I'm going to love them. We're going to win every game. Uh, everything's going to be perfect. It isn't going to be a whole lot different than when I was playing. They're going to be as motivated as I was. And then the crossroads for the beginning stages, oh, my goodness, the time, <laughs> the energy, the emotions, the different personalities, in some cases the parents, all these things I hadn't factored into this. Whoa. This is not quite as easy as it looks, okay? Then the last stage of coaching is burnout. I quit. I've had it. I've sacrificed too much. Maybe it's more important to me than it is the kids. Maybe it is uh, I'm not valued by my administration or organization. You know, something that causes people to lose their love. And the truth is, Mickey, a lot of the, um, for about eight years, we worked strictly with college coaches. The truth is, a lot of the young college coaches we were working with were going right, for, right from Yahoo, this is so fun, to I quit, and right. skipping everything in between, and, and we were losing them from the profession. So one of the things they were asking us to do was to keep these young coaches in the profession by getting them on the right road. You don't stay in either the beginning or the burnout stage very long. Um, so most coaches reside in one of these other three. Uh, the next one is my least favorite, and it's uh, status quo. I'm as good as I need to be. I don't need to do a style check. I don't need to get feedback from my players. I don't need to go to clinics. I got this figured out. I know what I'm doing, and everybody else can just get out of my way. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with where I am. I, I, I never got into that one, Mickey. I, I don't hope I never do. I would never want my kids or my grandkids playing for a – I got this all figured out. I don't need to improve or get better, Coach. Um, it's it's a it's a trap, and and people automatically think, well, that's old coaches, and and sometimes that is. People have been doing it for a long time, but a lot of times, Mickey, I've been seeing that with young coaches, young coaches who walk right out of the you know right out of the shoot, and and they win right away, and they just mm -hmm. automatically think, okay got this got this figured out and they stay where they are and 15 years later they're doing the same practice plans and the same you know anyway that's that's not my least favorite 
Um, this well, next and, one, and, is, and I think I think that's one an easy one to get into because it, it, it's just it is just habit, and yeah. and you, you you forget the uh, um, you know, you've when, when you're coaching you've got a and I've been fortunate to coach mostly the the same group of kids going through, but as, as a college coach or as a high school coach, you're probably run you're running into different kids every year, and what different kids are motivated differently, and and, and learning to learning to know your kids. Yeah. Yeah, the, the greatest coaches are always creative. They're always not just creative with their schemes. They're creative with their own approach. They're 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 constantly trying to get better. There's, that's a constant. That's a that's a very constant trait among the great coaches we work with. It's just they're they're constantly trying to get better. Um, the next stage of coaching is the I call it the prove it stage of coaching, and this is another trap. I got to prove myself. I've got to prove that I'm good at this. Uh, I've got to prove it to the community, to the, to the athletes, to the other people in the league, to the whatever. I've got to prove it. And what proves that I'm good, what validates me is the scoreboard. And so there's where my focus is. And so all my, all my attention is on the scoreboard and all my success or failure is determined by the scoreboard. And, and so oftentimes people that fall into that prove it stage of coaching motivate through, they use quick fixes. They use motivate through fear because fear works, Mickey. Fear works uh-huh. as a motivator. It's a strong motivator. It's not nearly as strong and long-lasting as love and respect. But it is a yeah. but it well, does I, work. I work in the I work in the financial planning industry, and that is uh, that is one of the big pushes that you'll see from those who aren't always looking out for the best interests of clients. But if they can mm-hmm. get them to move on fear, yeah, um, that they'll make their their paycheck. But sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. No, that's good, and you know that's what it is. It's a paycheck. They're thinking paycheck, and coaches are thinking scoreboard, and that's mm-hmm. that, it's a results, a completely uh, results of focus. And and not that that's bad. We're all competitive, but the truth is, sure. there's a crossroads for the proven stage of coaching, and the crossroads of the proven stage of coaching is when you realize that the young people that you're working with and and spending so many hours with are grown up and getting married, and you're not invited, uh-huh. and that's a bad day, buddy. That's a bad day, and I don't mean that too literally. What I really mean is, the young people that you that you that you have have worked with are, are moving ahead of their lives, and you are no longer part of it by their choice. They're yes. they're choosing to not have you continue in their life, and that is it, it's it's basically you've sacrificed relationships for outcome of games, and it's there's a lot more to that, but that in a nutshell that's what it is. The last level of coaching where you want to get to and stay in is coaching for significance. Everybody is capable of that if they, if they put their, their focus in the right direction. And coaching for significance doesn't mean that you're soft. It doesn't mean that you're not competitive. I think it allows you to be much more competitive. Uh, coaching for significance is basically I'm taking a shared love for an activity. I love football. That young man loves football. I love volleyball. She loves volleyball. I'm taking the shared love of an activity, and I'm using the power of the word on the front of my name, coach. To impact that kid beyond today, beyond the season, and into their life, they're taking the things that they're learned from you in an athletic setting, and they're applying them in your life, in their life, on how to build teams, how to build families, how how to be a great contributor and a worker, how you know all the things that you that you teach in athletics, the perseverance, the honesty that you can actually teach in athletics. They're applying that in the rest of their lives, and that's the coach's greatest legacy. Coaches of coaches of significance are intentional about every single thing they do. And so uh, er- everything is purposeful. There's a purpose. They, they understand their why. Why do I coach and why do I coach the way I coach? And is and, that and 
successful for kids and success on the field. And, and that'll be a great place to start when we get back from the break. And uh, folks, I hope you'll you'll be back with us when, when we do get back and uh, enjoy the last three shows. Um, you've got an opportunity to hear from Bruce Brown to, today. Next week, you'll have John O'Sullivan. And if I can uh, wiggle Davis Simpson back again for the for the last show, which I'm trying to do, and, and it's on purpose, and, and I have a reason for that. But uh, um, if you want to learn more about proactive coaching, you can follow them on Facebook, along with 194,000 other people that are following them, or you can uh, you can visit their their website. And uh, we'll we'll talk more when we get back with Bruce Brown. Hope you'll be with us. See you then. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for You with Arvind Vora, weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Lots of people talk about publishing their work, but have no idea where to start. If you are one of these aspiring authors or know somebody who is, don't miss Publishing Today Radio with Athena Dean Holtz. Thought leaders, business owners, entrepreneurs, and in general, storytellers all want to get their messages in print. And that includes branding and marketing. Athena and her guests are here to answer your publishing questions and more. Tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Ready to chat about your favorite soap operas? The daytime discussion is here with Dan J. Kroll and Soap Central Live. For the past 15 years, Dan has been dishing and discussing on SoapCentral.com. And now he's taking the talk to the airwaves of the Voice America Variety Channel. You'll go behind the scenes with the biggest stars of daytime, along with guest commentary from the Soap Central columnists. And we'll take your questions and comments during our live show. Soap Central Live, every Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show.
every time I hear that song, uh, I guess there's Bruce Brown, but Bruce, every time I hear that song, I still get goosebumps. Give the energy, and, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, and I'm just going, oh, man, what I love to play. We've got the, the NBC World Series, which is, uh, uh, for the most part, it, it's college summer league teams that come to, to Wichita every year this time time of year to play in a in a big tournament. And uh, and I'm out there at those games, and my boys, uh, they'll they'll just live out there because I don't know. They, we're, gonna, we're going into this weekend, which is baseball around the clock, which is literally 24 hours of baseball for, I think, it's, it's three days. And... Um, the energy around the city, um, and, and but every time I hear that song, I want to go hit a baseball. You got to go, go find your glove, man. You got you're looking for your glove. <laughs> <laughs> and thank goodness, my two boys, they they never let let that glove uh, um, uh, uh, have dust. They, they they never become dusty because those two boys are are constantly wanting to play, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And before we went to the break, we were talking about coaching with significance and and you talked a little bit about the the five stages but i think we really want to we want to focus on on the fourth stage which is coaching for significance because um that's what what i hope when uh, you I, I sent you uh, an email that i got from from a, a parent and i i think mm-hmm. it's probably six months ago and, and you know your 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 quick response was paycheck yeah and um and as a coach and working with these kids, I, I tell them, all the, I love these kids. And I hope that something that, that I say or something that we do will, will impact them forever. For you know, it, One of your booklets that, that you have that, that I'm actually getting ready to go with, through with, with one of the teams is just compete. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it doesn't, it's not the, the idea of competing like uh, – um, Say, oh, I just went brain dead. The the, the uh, see significance. What what was the uh, the guy from from Georgia? The, the like to slide with spikes up. Oh, Ty Cobb. Uh, Ty Cobb. Yeah, yeah. We're not teaching them to play like a like a Ty Cobb and be be remembered for that. It, it's a Derek Jeter type of of remembrance because you know I, I think he will be probably remembered more for what he uh, what he stood for and what he stands for than than probably. His baseball accolades, and he has plenty of those. But as a as a coach, one of the things I've learned, is, especially with the with the younger kids, the first thing we gotta we want to teach them is just love the game. Yeah. If you learn to love the game, none of what you know, I, I I I actually cringe when I hear this this word. You gotta work. Yeah. Well, it's not. If you love the game, it's not work. Now you're you're trying hard. You're sweating. You're you're going through some pain uh, to get better, but it's not work. I, yeah, I think I was Willie Stargell that said, "You don't work baseball. You play baseball." You know, yeah. it's it's a training process. It's a it's it's falling in love with the game. That's something we teach uh, young uh, youth co- people who coach youth coaches. You can be a coach of significance regardless of the level that you coach, regardless of the age or gender or ability that you're coaching. You can become a coach of significance. And one of the first things that, that when people are doing teaching young kids is first you teach them to love the game. Then you teach them to play it. Too many people do it the other way around. They try to get very intricate in the technical parts of the game before the kids have fallen in love with it. And, 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 it, and in some ways that, that kind of almost hurts some kids um, mm-hmm. because once they fall in love with the game, they want to know more and more about it. Instead of it mm-hmm. So it isn't turning into forced labor. It's turning into just pure joy. 
Yeah, and as a coach and a dad, I, I my my older son Jordan, he he is the he is the victim of many of the mistakes that I made, and somehow he still loves he still loves the game. But <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've got to see it with with my my younger boy, and, and and the you know my coaching style is is significantly different than when I first got started because I did go through that beginning stage. I'm fired up. I'm gonna teach him how to play the game. Blah 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 blah, and. Uh, and, and you know, you said something on on the show. One of the, I don't know if it's first or second time you came on about um, about going out to play golf with, with some of your players. And one of the guys was was recanting a story about coach. Do you remember this? And you 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 uh, and something you said. Yeah. And you didn't even remember saying it. Yeah. I believe it had and, been thirty five years, and, and and something I had said had stuck in his head. And 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 it was very thankful because it was a very positive, life-changing, you know, comment that I'd made to him. But what it really made me do, Mickey, was scared me to death because I mm-hmm. thought, how many things? I mean, it just was like, oh my gosh, that was 35 years ago. How many kids are walking around with something stuck in their head that I said in a moment, a moment of emotion that served me, or mm-hmm. in a moment of anger that you know that was hurtful? I mean, I and I because we all, just like you said, we all start off coaching as we were coached, and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, until we find a better way. Um, good or bad, we coach as we were coached, just like we parent as we were parented until we kind of say, is there a better way for me to do this? So, yeah, that was a that was an eye-opening moment. Yeah, and, and I, that that sticks in my head. Actually, it scares me too, especially with the uh, the older guys. And, and, it's, and it's interesting. I can watch um, some of the some of the dads. We have, we have, my younger boy has a team of of three former college baseball players that are they're coaching his team, and you can and and the other two guys they're especially one, his kid, it's his first kid to go through. And I, I'm going, that was me. And constantly, um, you know, worrying about this or worrying about this to the kids. They're, he's nine. It's all yeah. going to catch up. I can yeah. see I can see the athleticism in the kid. Just let him play. Yeah. And, and let, him, uh, let him fall in love with the game and, let the, and, and continue to teach stuff at the, when he's ready, mm-hmm. but not overwhelm him. Right. And watch what happens when they mature. And, and that's probably one of the harder things of coaching youth sports uh, versus even a college level. Because when you get to the college level, all those guys can play. Yeah. And yeah. when you're and coaching 10-year-olds, you yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get to pick them. Uh, but when you're coaching 10-year-olds, even even high school probably, uh, at least junior high, when you're coaching those levels, you got different kids at different maturity levels, and and uh, you know you've got the one kid that looks like a phenom at 12 just because he hit a growth spurt before the other kids did. Correct. Um, we we had a guy I played high school baseball with that wound up getting a September call up with the Rangers that you would have never guessed. Uh, we had nine guys on on my team my sophomore year in high school. Nine, all nine starters played college baseball. The kid that I'm telling you about didn't start, but he's the one that actually played professional baseball, and we we all live the dream through him. So, um, it, it that's I think that's a skill as a coach you start to learn over time that you know I can't with especially with nine and ten and eleven twelve year olds, there are certain kids that you can expect to be able to do certain things, while other kids they just they're they just haven't matured enough. They they're going to be able to. Yeah. You know, but, uh, it's, it's, it's the term, the phrase we use for coaches is to visualize the finished product, mm-hmm. to look ahead in their lives and see what they can become, you know, understand where they are, but see what they can become. You know, uh, 
in one of my presentations, I, I, I put up a picture of a team. It's a basketball team of uh, 14-year-olds that I coached. Uh, a, you know, it's been a while. And here's these skinny little guys, big smiles on their faces, arms around each other. They went undefeated. And, you know, they, they were a great team in every aspect, you know, whether, I mean, regardless of what level you're coaching, you can create a great team culture, and they were a great team culture. But I said, look at these guys. And you're, people are all looking at them like, okay, here's these skinny little athletes. And, and I said, if you look at that picture very carefully, there are three people who are teacher coaches now. Mm-hmm. There is a fireman. There is a guy who was drafted first in the first round at the NBA. There's a guy who pitched six years of Major League Baseball. There's a guy, there's, there's a, scholar, a, a track scholarship athlete to Duke, who's now the coach of the year in his state. Uh, there's a Navy SEAL who was wow. there when they got bin Laden. Wow. I said, you don't, you got to visualize what they're capable of. Don't look at them as who they are. Look at them as who they can become. And, I mean, every one of those, I and mean, they're a successful businessman. There's, there's uh, uh, 11 of the 14 are married. There's this many kids who are now my grandkids. You know, just it, it's just, it, and, and it'd be so easy to look at young kids and see them as like these little kids. And you're trying mm-hmm. to get them to be men right away. Well, that's not the, you know, you're trying to have them grow. Uh, one of the, another thing we tell coaches all the time is to, is to be, coaches significant understand the game. You've got to understand the game. You've got to be able to teach the game. Sure. But they also sure. under, got to understand the kids and how to teach the kids. How do those kids that age learn? How do you get them to have the same passion that you do? How do you get them to follow? You got to so you understand the game and the kids and how to teach both for success. Yeah, and um, and teaching that that competitive. I'm actually looking on the Facebook page right page right now and and one of the one of the quotes that you have in here is probably from one of the booklets that that maybe i haven't read or forgotten it says nobody is born tough-minded it has to be learned you can learn toughness from people who not only can teach it but also model it not every athlete can have elite skills but they can always improve their personal toughness and competitiveness and that i think that group of kids you were talking about kind of represents that because you had a group of kids that all went they went different directions but they were all they were all taught personal toughness and competitiveness and, and it has it's probably benefiting them in in everything that they're doing right now i i mentioned the earlier that the competitiveness that that i learned from from sports was the reason i i i, I one of the reasons i was able to go from 265 pounds to 180 pounds and be able to maintain it for 12 years but um and it's probably that same competitiveness that makes me so stubborn with with what we're doing uh, on the debt side with with uh, the, with the road to complete fitness. But um, the, the discipline um, you can learn from sports, the discipline you can learn from swimming, or from lacrosse, or from cross country, the discipline you can learn from every sport has its own disciplines, its own set. And kids, not only if you're going to be in that sport, you're not only got to understand the disciplines that come with that sport, but you've got to embrace them. Wrestling is different than softball, but you embrace those things. And then you take the, 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 the way that you've learned to discipline yourself in a sport and you apply it in every area of your life, academics, mm-hmm. compete in that academic classroom. You apply it to weight loss, Mickey. You apply it to building a family. You, apply it, you, you would take those things and you apply them everywhere. Uh, undisciplined teams never win championships. Undisciplined adults very seldom are successful. 
Yeah. And, and I, I remember, uh, um, uh, my high school coach, Roger Finley, who, who I've mentioned to you several times that, uh, you know, we had that group of kids that, that nine of us played college baseball, but there was a discipline amongst that group. And, you know, it's something I'm trying to, to instill in, in my older son right now. And, and for those that do desire to play beyond a high school level or, 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 or whatever it might be, if they do desire, and I, and I've told him, I said, Jordan, I can, I can see who is, who I, who has what I believe it takes to make it to another, another level, because it's not what you're doing when I'm around. It's what you're doing when I'm not around. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, my dad can tell stories and this is not to bring accolades to me because it was, it was a fact that I was really slow, but in order to get faster, and still play the games. My dad could tell stories of, of nights by the floodlight. I'm standing out there with three sawhorses doing plyometrics, trying to get faster. <laughs> and and uh, uh, he th- he thought I was crazy. Are standing out there with a with, with a what was a lead, nothing more than a lead pipe, and just swinging it over and over and over again. And it, it was, but but Bruce, it was never work. No. It, it was it was like if if I'm doing this, it's just like the grades. You're talking about the grades earlier, and, and and one of the things I think people have to have to do is is not comparing yourself to someone else. It's competing with what you've already done to get better at what you've done. If you if you made a if you're challenging yourself to make an A on on that on that test, and if you don't make it, you can look back and say, okay, well. Was I just not smart enough, or did I put the effort into it? And and, and you adjust and you learn, and and, and uh, uh, there's so much I think that that can be learned from from sports, but a lot of times we're missing out on it um, as coaches because I watched a uh, uh, an eight year old team win a state championship in the next year, which was this past year. Half the team is gone. Yeah. And and you're going well. Isn't that the epitome? Isn't that what the average person will look say? That's that's what you're trying to do, right? But yeah, we our bunch was trying to 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 work towards it. But I'm proud to say we've got 12 kids that started with our nine year old team uh, four years ago, and we still have all 12 of them. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know we eventually somebody will, will probably leave because they don't they decide not. But I don't. I don't want ever to be because of the environment that we put them in. I want it to be because they chose to go a different direction or, or somebody moves. But um, and, and, and trying to explain that to, to, to parents to help understand that there's a culture being built and there's three or four of us working together and we're doing we're, we're doing it on purpose. And um, let's talk a little bit about that when we get back from this break and, and more about coaching with significance and, and you know we've got this is the last time i get to have you on the show so I, i'm going to leave it up to you on, on what you think are some of the things that are most important for for young people and for coaches uh to learn that are listening to the show because i got a feeling there's more coaches listening to the show than the actual players so uh, we'll be back after this break i want to remind everyone that uh, uh john o'sullivan's coming on next week from changing the game project um go back and listen to last week's show with david simpson and financial sanity and dollar a day is coming to uh 
to South Carolina, upstate South Carolina, the Greenville Spartanburg area on August 22nd. So if you're in that area, I hope to meet some of you live and I get to see a lot of people that I grew up with. But uh, we'll be back from this break in a second with Bruce Brown and we'll talk more about coaching for significance and, and your kids. See you then. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. What can you find on Get Real Radio? Well, quite honestly, who you really are. Join host James Robinson each week for a program designed to reveal more about yourself and your world through words of wisdom and profound guests. You'll discover more about the spiritual movement and how it can work with you and alert you to problems you may not be aware of. It will educate, titillate, and enlighten your mind. Get Real Radio is broadcast live every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This could end up being the best time of your week. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. I am Mickey Ellison, and uh, we're coming to the twilight of the show on Voice America unless something steps up and uh, we wind up doing it for more. But, you know, it's been a great run. I've had an opportunity to uh, to meet some great folks doing this show. Um, you know, ones that, that people remember is Tommy John, but having uh, um, Rob Miller and John O'Sullivan and, and, and just people who who not only um, have they been great guests, but I, I, I to me, they've become friends, and, and Bruce Brown is, is one of those those folks. And um, you know, Bruce, it, it may be coming time with the with the uh, the ministry and 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 helping folks to to get out of debt. It may be time to get our hands dirty. It's, it's time to stop talking and and put this thing into into real motion. So uh, you know, well, I'm looking forward to it. But I'd we are, be where you talk- are, Mickey, and be able to go back and start coaching again. I'd trade plays with any first year coach in the world <laughs> just to be starting all over again. So, uh, just, just uh, like well, you said, you know, playing is shouldn't be work. Coaching isn't work, Mickey. Coaching, no, heck, coach, coaching's a passion, and what we do is not work. I, I, you know, no. My dad, my dad looks at me when I was leaving to speak. He said, "When are you going to get a job?" I mean, <laughs> he said, "All you do is what you love," and I said, "Exactly." You know what we what we do, Mickey, is, is it is not work. It is no, it is, it is simply a mission. 
Absolutely. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about coaching with, with significance. And and uh, um, you you talked a little bit and, and I missed it. I was supposed to come back to that in the last segment. But but the why and, and why we do it. Mm-hmm. So, well, I um, think we have some guiding principles that that we've kind of tried to live by. First of all, we don't try to speak about anything we haven't done. I don't try. To, I don't like to talk about things that they haven't really done and and, and taught. Uh, and I don't talk about anything we don't have a passion about. I don't teach. I mean, if the people who know me uh, the best realize I'm a pretty private. I'm a pretty <laughs> introverted person very honestly but once you get me going on something i have a passion about which is this coaching for significance and it's and it's for all the things that we've written and and and, and speak on uh it's, it's a different thing so we have some beliefs i think that that i think attribute to um not only our success but also to the success of the people who are following and one is we believe the, the athletic experience should provide an opportunity for character growth i mean mm-hmm. shouldn't it i mean yes it does okay, absolutely so, yeah, and and that character growth only happens when coaches intentionally teach it. You can't say to me, "Hey, go hang around volleyball for four months; you'll be a better person." It only happens if the coach teaches it intentionally. Well, okay. Well, I think not only not only teaches it, but the the players can see him live it. Yeah. Well, the uh, there's the interesting thing. You know, I had a principal ask me one time. He said, "Bruce, he says you're you're teaching values," and I said, "Yep," and and I said, it's okay for coaches to teach values. And he, and he was like a little bit, not quite so sure. And anyway, he said, so he said, well, how do you teach a value? How do you teach a value? And so I said, you know, I only know one way to teach anything, and that's the rules of motor learning. I was trained as a physical educator, and, and, and how you teach a physical skill is you define the skill, you model the skill, you shape the skill, and then you reinforce the skill. And I said... I think you can teach courage the same way. I think you can teach perseverance or integrity or mental toughness the same way. You define what it looks like. So if you're teaching somebody that has never seen a softball game or baseball game before how to slide in second base, you, first of all, you, you define why a slide even exists. They've never even seen it. Why, why would you do that? Okay. Right. Then, then you'd model it. You'd show it to them done correctly. They can see it, and they can see it in your actions. Okay? And the third step of shaping is that it's molding the behavior and, and the process for that, and that involves praise and confrontation, that confrontation out of care. In other words, it causes correction and praise both in that molding stage. And then the last step is reinforcing, and you reinforce anything comes closer to where you want them to go. And there's a, we have presentations on all four of those steps, but, it, but that's, it's okay to, for coaches to teach values, but you've got to know how to do it. And you, and you do it with intention. Uh, next belief is I think anything you can do to improve the character of your athletes or the, or the collective carry, character of your team gives you a better chance for success in every way, including the scoreboard. I think if you look at the teams that are consistently successful, there's a foundation of character there. I just it, it, there's, there's something that they're doing that is allowing people to be consistent and persistent and 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 character does that. It allows people to be trusted. Okay. Um, and, and I think you I see think you see that modeled in Tim Corbin at, at Vanderbilt because I right. played there. I know what that program was like before he got there. Yeah. And um and, and you could just watch the kids. I, I think you pointed out to me one time when I, there was a picture that you had put on the on the Facebook page of they're holding Coach Corbin up after one of the national championship 
But what you pointed out to me was look at the kid's eyes looking at him. Yeah, and that was when they that picture was when they qualified for Omaha for the first time. That was the first year that I was down there, and and the look on the kid's eyes just make you tear up. The way that they were looking at him, and if you listen to the post game interview this year when they lost to Virginia, okay, in, in in kind of heartbreaking fashion, and they interviewed the number one draft pick, Major League Baseball, Dansby Swanson, coming off the field after losing a national championship. Uh, playing for a national championship and not winning it. And Dansby Swanson talked about how hard it was going to be to take off the uniform and how much, how much the uniform had meant to him. He talked about Coach Corbin with tears in his eyes. He's a mentor. He's a father. And he's a coach. And he knows when to do all three. And, I mean, it just, it just tears at you because there's a kid who's been impacted for life. He's not thinking, yes. oh, yeah, I'm a number one draft pick in the nation. I, I'm, I'm, I've got millions of dollars coming my way. I've got nothing but stars in my eyes. No, he's thinking, about, he's thinking about what he has taken from this program and what the program has given him. And what, you know, it's just, it, it was, uh, if you haven't seen that interview, go to their website and take a look at it. Yeah, and I'll post it on the Facebook page. I'll go grab grab that on my show page. Yeah, yeah all 365 people will get to see it, but maybe uh, <laughs> uh, if it's posted on yours, maybe 194,000 will get to see it. But, uh, but uh, um, yeah, and, and we were up there for it, and it was heartbreaking fashion. I had to watch my nine-year-old just start to cry and then try to get me to buy him a Virginia hat after the game. I said, okay, here's, here's, a, yeah, here's, a, here's a flip side of that. Although we have not worked with Virginia, although we have not worked with Virginia, one of my former players played for that coach when he was an assistant at Notre Dame. And he tells me, and after I've read stuff about him, he's very, very much like Tim Corbin. Their program's based upon core values. They're, they're, they're strong in their, in their, in their character uh, intentionality. It's, 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 no, it's no surprise that those two teams have played for a national championship two years in a row. And, and you know what, Mickey? We've got to be rooting for those people. We've got to be rooting for those people to be, the, be, the, be in the spotlight in our profession. Because when they start being successful all the time, people are going to go, that's the road to success I need to follow, and then kids benefit. Right. Absolutely. So now we're talking about the beliefs. You talked about building character. Um, what are some of the other beliefs? Well, here's, here's kind of a, a ripple effect belief uh, that I think is really something we constantly think about all the time. One athlete of character improves your team. One team of character cha- improves your school. One school of character impacts a community. One coach who can model and teach character gives the profession eternal value. So you have this ripple effect of, you know, one kid at a time and building that personal character and that kid, kid is going to make your team better. Your team then influences the school. Your school can change the community. And boy, have we seen that happen. It's just absolutely seen that happen. Um, uh, there's other beliefs we've got. One is that players enter your program with all the good attributes in place. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have kids enter your program without those. So, so our choices are threefold as a coach. Number one, you can cut them. That comes with the territory. You don't have to keep anybody you don't want uh, in, in most coaching situations. Uh, that's not the answer. Number two, you can ignore it and play them. Like, well, what can I do about it? That's the way their mama raised them. I'm, it's not my job. to. They're just, that's just the way they are. Or number three, you can be a coach of significance and you can invest yourself in their lives and get that kid to change and they'll thank you for the rest of their life. And so, you know, it's just 
you know, we, you demand in direct proportion how much you love your kids as a coach of significance. You demand from them in direct proportion how much you love them. And I heard you say that you love your kids, and I've heard Corb say that hundreds of times, how much he loves his kids. You know what, Mickey? Don't wait for the banquet to tell them. Show them every day. It doesn't take much. A greeting, a wink, a pat on the back, you know, uh, a, a, a pick-me-up after a mistake. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much to tell kids, hey, you're special in my life. You know, uh, and, and, and the paycheck comes when we're, we're, we're wandering around the, the NBC World Series. And, and a lot of those players that we coach for, for all those years are, are, are wandering around. A couple of them, uh, a kid of, of great character, I'll just say his first name, Dylan, that uh, means the world to me. And I've only coached him in probably eight games. Um, he's played with us in the fall, and he plays on, on another team. But, man, when those kids come up, and you can tell that they're actually ha- – you know, they – personally make an effort to come speak to you and you go um that's why we do it for for those kids because th- th- this kid is a, is a special kid and they're all special kids and you're you're right um one of the, we're running up on the on the end of the show but uh one story i, I wanted to tell is it, when i was this was my first year coaching my kid's an eighth grader and the rest of his team is ninth graders and i had heard a couple of those guys that, that you, you know how the talk gets because you coach enough to know that, that there are people that would would put a cancer into your program saying, well, coach, there's, there's so much politics in it. Coach plays his favorites. And, and that was the very first thing I hit with those kids when we, uh, when, when we were at the first practice. I said, that, those words never come out of your mouth again. I know your coach, and I know the, his character. And if you're – if you're doing the things necessary and you're good enough, you will suddenly become one of those favorites. And I wasted a whole bunch of time, Bruce. We got one one minute left. So anything that you want to throw out there before we go to the uh, get to the end? You know, Mickey, I I, I just think that uh, wherever you go and and whatever your next step is in this on this process, um, proactive coaching will be honored to. Uh, be part of anything that you're doing on any mission that you choose. So just want to let you know that um, I just, we appreciate you and we appreciate all you're doing for, for kids and for the profession and for the country. So that's all right. That's, well, Bruce, I'm going to hit you up on that because uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pick your brain. I'm, I'm going to be like the bad habit that won't go away. So uh, <laughs> hey, th- thank you so much, my friend, for coming on the show and, and God's blessings to, to everything that you're involved in and, and proactive coaching as well. And uh, let's not be strangers. Let's talk soon. Bless you, my friend. All right. Hey, folks, we're coming back next week with John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. And one more show after that. Hope you will be with us for all of them. And uh, um, just reach out to us and tell us you've appreciated the show if you have. Um, We'd love to hear from you. It's Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. And uh, John O'Sullivan next week. See you then. Thanks so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here, too.